But anyway, we are studying a little bit about um, a man in the Bible called Saul. Saul, not, not the Apostle Paul, but Saul in the Old Testament. Who was Saul? Well, you know they had a problem with, um, you know, Eli and his sons. And then they had a big problem with Samuel and his sons. So they said, we want us a king like the other nations. We want us a king. And so the Lord warned them, said, you know, you get a king, well, he's going to take your sons and your daughters. He's going to take some of your land. And he's going to build a military and all kind of stuff like that. And he's going to just, he's going to take things from you. Well, we want us a king. And they didn't want God directly ruling over them. They wanted, well, they wanted a, a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. So um, Saul was very upset. And the Lord says, they're not mad at you, Saul. They're mad at me. It's kind of like sometimes you think people are taking that on you, and it's not really you that's the problem. It's uh, they got a problem with the Lord, and you just represent the Lord. And uh, kind of like when in the New Testament, you know, Paul was being very rebellious, and he thought he was doing God a service. And he was just getting uh, Christians and putting them in jail and persecuting them and all. And so the Lord, bright light, struck him down one day. And he says, why persecutest thou me? Because when he was persecuting the Christians, he was persecuting Christ. And so God takes it personally. So here you are, you're God's child. You're going to heaven when you die. Well, you're about to suffer for the Lord. But it's... Uh, not really you that people are upset with. It's what you represent. It's who you represent. Well, they wanted the king. So the Lord says, all right, we'll, we'll give you a king. And so look there in verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And the Lord said unto Samuel, this is on page 326 in the Bible that's in the pew there in front of you. And so he says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So there's always people looking, well, we'd serve better if we didn't have to deal directly with God. And I guess there's people like that. I just really like knowing the Lord. I'm so glad that I don't have to go through the church to go to the Lord or go through the preacher to go to the Lord. I'm his child. You're, you know who I am. I'm his child. So I get to go immediately straight to the Lord, and I can talk to the Lord at any time that I want. Isn't that great to know? And that's what he's talking about. So he told him, he says down in verse 13, And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, and even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he shall take the tenth or the tax your seed and your vineyards and give his officers to his, and to his servant. He's going to do all of this. Down in verse 70, he shall take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. In other words, you're going to whine and pine and moan and groan down the road. He says, and I'm going to remember, I told you so. You know, some people just don't listen and they don't learn because people are hard-headed. Now, this was way back then. 
Now, you and I know we're not like that today. That was 3,000 years ago. People are not hard-headed today, are they? I mean, we don't want to just go our own way and do our own thing. The Bible is the Word of God. It is truth. And we're supposed to study truth. You know, some people like to talk about, well, we just need to love everybody. And doctrine is so divisive. So we don't want to talk about doctrine because that divides people. Let's just talk about loving everybody. Now that sounds good. But if you do not love according to doctrine, you're not loving biblically. You're not loving according to the Lord. There are things that God says to love and things God says not to love. So just using love as your guide is not a good guide. Use doctrine. Go by what the Word of God says. There's something God calls sins, but people don't call it sin. Do you think that people today call a lot of the things they justify doing as sin, or we love each other? Is it still wrong for men with men and women with women? But because they call it love, well, then that's okay. No, it's not. Love is not to be the guide of our life. Truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Speaking the truth in love, but speak the truth. Believe the truth. And so that means you must know what the word of God has to say. But he says, this is what's going to happen to you. But anyway, we want to be like all the rest of them. So look in chapter 9. Now there was a man of Benjamin, and this man, Kish, he had a son. And his son, look there in verse 2, he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upwards he was higher than any of the people, head and shoulders above everybody. He must have been a man's man. He could have played basketball. Maybe he'd been a good football player, huh? I mean, this guy was big. He was huge. But... He was what people would look to if, you know, we want a king to represent us. So God gave him a choice young man. Now this man, in his own eyes, he didn't brag about himself. He wasn't, you know, built up in his own eyes as some great thing. Uh, he was a, a humble man. And he didn't ask to be king. The Lord chose him to be the king. And so the Lord told Samuel, I want you to go and anoint him to be the king of Israel. And so this is what happened. Now look in verse 15 of chapter 9. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people, Israel that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon the, my people, because their cry is coming to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. So Samuel, a prophet of the Lord, anointed him to be the king of Israel. So the Lord told him that he was going to be uh, the man of his choice, and um, man from the tribe of Benjamin, head and shoulders above everybody else. He looked like a king. 
But now in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, uh, notice what was going on here. In verse 5, After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tablet and a pipe and a harp before thee, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy unto them, and shalt be turned into another man. So God has his prophets that were out, and evidently these prophets were going around the country doing a little soul winning. This was a, a soul winning group because they were going and they were teaching the word of God. And so here's Samuel and he heard of these prophets and whatever they said, it turned him into another man. Now when the Bible talks about turning into another man, I believe he's talking about uh, Samuel heard the gospel, the good news of how he could be born again, child of God, have eternal life. And so I believe he trusted Christ as his Savior, believed in the Messiah, because God wanted a man to lead his people, and God needs a saved man. You see, God can raise up people, and God can put down people. God can bring honor to a person, and God can strip them of all honor and glory. Remember this. The Lord wants something. He wants to be praised and honored and glorified. And he doesn't like it when people steal from him what belongs to him, like the honor and glory. And so it's amazing how God can use you and me if we will be thankful to the Lord for what he's done for us. If we will honor him and give him praise, and give him glory, and look what God did for me, or look what God did through me. And you realize that you're only a vessel, and God can use you, and God can put you on a shelf, and not use you. So it's a wonderful thing to go through life knowing that I am the Lord's, and he is mine, and he can use you. And so therefore, I believe this is what happened to him. Look also if you will, there in chapter 11, uh, things were not always going exactly right. The group that he had most trouble with was always the Philistines. Philistines were always irritating the nation of Israel. They were supposed to have gotten them out of the land, but they didn't do it. And so now there's pockets of them, and in a matter of time, they grew pretty strong. Well, the time came when... Uh, well, Saul was going to have to face the Philistines. And he didn't have many, most of his soldiers. And he was outnumbered by the Philistines. And so Saul didn't have very many of the Israelites there, so they were afraid. And he told Samuel, says, Samuel, we don't want to go into battle without you. He said, well, I'll be there. Give me, a, give me seven days. Well, seven days came. He didn't show up. So when he didn't show up, he wanted them to offer a sacrifice. So he decided he'll just do it himself. Now, the king has a, a job, but not to be the priest. And uh, so he was not to be a priest. He was not supposed to do it, but he does it anyway. And 
Samuel was angry with them. And he says, what in the world have you done? But he went ahead and did it anyway. But look in verse 11 of chapter 13. And Samuel says, what hast thou done? Saul says, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash, he said, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now unto me and to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. I forced myself. I had to do it. Well, what, just what did he do? Because he became impatient. He didn't wait. He took matters into his own hands. You know, there's a time in the Bible where the Bible actually says that, um, you know, Abraham and Sarah got tired of waiting on God. What wrong did they do? He said, you're going to have a son. Well, time went on. And so what did uh, Mrs. Abraham say to him? She says, why don't you take Hagar and have a son? That's how God's going to do it. You're supposed to have a son by Hagar. Well, she was a bond slave out of Egypt. So therefore, uh, did he listen to his wife? Yeah, he listened to his wife. All right, so we have one time in the Bible where uh, a man shouldn't have listened to his wife. Uh, Now, we we might say a little bit more about that later. But there's always a price to pay when you disobey God. But the reason was because of impatience. You don't see how God's going to do something, so you just take matters into your own hands and try to help God out. And so he, he forced himself. He didn't want to do it, but he was forced. And it wasn't his fault. It was Samuel's fault because he didn't get there in time. And he was afraid that he was going to lose. Well, what were the consequences? He still lost. And so he says, thou hast done foolishly. Down in verse 13, Samuel said, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God. In verse 14, he says, now you are in a heap of trouble. The kingdom you have is not going to continue. It's going to be given to somebody else. A man who seeks the Lord. As he says here in verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. You didn't do what God says to do. Now you think, well, he should have learned his lesson. But the Bible does tell us something. I want you to look over there in chapter 15, chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. So as time goes on, Samuel comes to Saul and says, okay, Saul. Now, there's some other people that he had trouble with, not just the Philistines. Generally, you had trouble in one area of your life and don't deal with it. You had trouble in another area of your life. Well, now he's got trouble with the Amalekites. The Amalekites. And the Amalekites is like that old sinful nature that lives inside of you. Every one of us were born with a little Amalekite, a little terrorist that lives inside of us. And what does he like to do? He likes to terrorize us. And so that's what he does. So you have that little terror inside. So God wants us to defeat that little terror that lives inside of us. And the way he does that is by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, the old sinful nature is in the flesh. And the Bible says the flesh is part of the world. 
And we have a new birth, the Holy Spirit, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, and now you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And these two are battling all the time. So inside of my physical body, I have two births. One of the flesh, when I was born into the world, with an old sinful nature, and that's why we sin. That's why we are rebellious and go our own way. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, He gave you a new birth. He didn't change this one. See, this is where most people go wrong. They think God changed this first birth. He didn't change the first one. He gave you a new one. This one over here, see, this was born of God. Born of God, God's the Father. Born of God, you're the child. Born of God, no sinful nature. No sinful nature, can't sin. Can't sin, can't die. So this is the one that's born of God. This is your new birth that's going to heaven. But it lives inside of this old physical body. And you're going to have trouble with Amalek. Amalek says, I had this piece of territory first, and land is just dirt, and this body is just dirt. He says, I had this property first. I could do anything I wanted. I looked at whatever I wanted. I went where I wanted. I said what I wanted. I became whatever I wanted. It was what about what I wanted. And now God says, uh, that body of yours has been bought and paid for. It belongs to me now. But the Oamalek still wants it. That land, didn't God give that land to Israel? But see, they were supposed to kick the Malachites out of there, but they didn't do it. So now they want that land. They want that land and... So they're always fighting for it. So Israel has problems on their hands. Just like you have problems with old Amalek living inside of you. So he told him, he said, this is what I want you to do to Amalek. In verse 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did in Israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And that's why they had trouble with Amalek when they were in the wilderness coming out of Egypt. And um, they had uh, some wars on their hand with Amalek. And God says, I want to put them out of remembrance. Well, that time ain't come yet. So in verse 3, he says, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both Suckling and ox and sheep, and women, and camel, and ass, everything. Kill everybody. You say, how cruel, how cruel, how cruel. Well, it might seem cruel, but these are people that God had mentioned in the book of Genesis chapter 15 that the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. He was going to send them into the land, but he gave them hundreds of years to get things right. So they were wicked people. They didn't do what God wanted them to do. So God's going to have to chasten them. And so, um, and God deals. A lot of things we could say about that, but we'll move right along here. Samuel was sick and tired of Saul, but he loved Saul. He tried to tell Saul, warn Saul, but Saul wouldn't listen. See, now he's exalted himself and lifted himself up as somebody that can rebel against God. See, at one time, he was so tender-hearted. He was so submissive to do whatever God wanted him to do. But now time has rolled on, and he's gotten hardened. And that's what happens to you. It happens little by little, and you don't even know what's taking place. Look what he says there in verse 17. Back up just a tad here, but I, I want you to see verse 17. 
And Samuel says, when thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed the king over Israel. But no, now no, you didn't got too big for your britches. So God's going to have to knock him down a peg or two. So when you're humble in God's eyes and you submit to the will of God and you're little in your own eyes, it's amazing how God can exalt you and raise you up. But get too big for your britches and God has ways of bringing you down. So now he's disobeyed the Lord concerning the Philistines. He disobeyed God concerning the... He wasn't supposed to make the sacrifices. Samuel didn't warn him about that. Now he's told him to, what to do with the Amalekites. So what happened to the Amalekites? Well, there was a, a problem. And uh, he was told what to do, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't always obey. He did whatever he wanted. And uh, he was kind of concerned because, you see, things were not working out exactly right. Because he, he wanted some inside information. He knew he was going to have to face those Philistines and the Amalekites. But now he's talking about the Amalekites and what he was supposed to do. Samuel comes there and lo and behold, Saul comes out there. We did it! We did it! We did it! We obeyed the Lord. So he says here, oh, you did. Look in verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up on a place, and has gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have obeyed. I did what I was supposed to do. Pat me on the back. Give me my rewards. I did the job. Did he? Did he do it fully? No, he didn't. But see, sometimes, you know, you have God's people, and they think there's, it's okay as long as I just serve the Lord a little bit. And some people want to serve the Lord just enough to keep God off their back. But then they never know the full blessings of God. Because, you see, they don't totally commit themselves to say, you know, I'm a child of God, and I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. Well... In verse 13, where Saul said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And verse 14, look what Samuel said. What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ear, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? What's this I hear? I mean, I can hear some sheep. I hear cattle. Where'd that come from? And Samuel said that to him in verse 15. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. See, it wasn't he did that. They did that. The people, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. We utterly destroyed. But the people saved the best, the sacrifice to the Lord. Is that what God told them to do? No, God didn't tell them to do that. So they taken matters into their own hands. And once again, I had people tell me this. Yankee, you serve God your way, and I'll serve God my way. And I said, 
If we both don't serve God God's way, we neither one serve God. Isn't that true? You're not free just to serve God my own way. No, no, you serve God God's way or you don't serve God. It's not that you can pick and choose what area of commands that you want to obey the Lord in. We're supposed to obey the Lord in every area of our life. Well, this area is off God. God, you don't have nothing to do with this area over here in my life. I'll give you this, but I'm not, I'm not giving up this. No. If you're going to serve the Lord and walk with the Lord, now you can have limited dedication, but then you'll have limited blessing. And then God is free to chasten you for the areas that you don't discipline in your life and correct and yield to the Lord. So you can bring upon yourself the chastening hand of God. Did Saul do what he did in a vacuum and nobody knew? No. God knows everything. If you want God to bless you, you've got to be honest with him. And people, it doesn't matter. Be honest with God. And you be up front with the Lord and you'd be surprised what God will do for you. But don't have half-hearted dedication. It'll cost you sooner or later. So he says here, in verse 16, And Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel says, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and so on? And then you go down here, he says in verse 20, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Well, wait a minute. If he's still got Agag, isn't he still alive? Then you didn't utterly destroy all the Amalekites. Here's, here's the king the, the Amalekites. Right here, you got him. And the people took of the spoil, the sheep, and the... Uh, wait a minute, who's the king? This is like somebody I know that passes the buck. He's not taking responsibility of, for being king. You mean the people don't obey you? You didn't tell them? And how are they going to sacrifice all this against the will of the king? He's a hypocrite. And so it says in verse 22, Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, God would rather you do what he told you to do than you take it upon yourself to do what you want to do and ask God to bless. Lord, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Bless me, okay? No, God says, this is what I want you to do with your life. Serve me, okay? See, with the Lord, it's that uh, you got a blank slate. And all God wants you to do is just sign your name down here and then trust God to fill it in. But you know what we do? We fill it in and say, God, would you sign it right here? No, 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 no. God says, you sign it. And I'll fill it in. And so this is why we're supposed to dedicate our life to the Lord. And it doesn't matter what he asks us to do, where he asks us to go, or whatever he asks us to be. Because the Lord is the one that gives us the very air we breathe. And he can sure take it away. And he can raise us up and he can put us down. But I do believe that the world has never seen what God can do with one man that's totally yielded 
to the Lord. Because it seems like we all want to hold back a little bit in some areas and not serve him fully. But anyway, look what he says in verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And here's why. Because thou, talking to Saul, hath rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You can't be the king because of what you have done. Now, this isn't, doesn't mean that he's taken away his salvation. His salvation is secure in the Lord. Your salvation does not depend upon your obedience to God. Once you trust Christ as Savior, he gives you eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. But we have a choice as a child of God to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. You still got that choice. So you're free to choose. You're free to live your life however you want to live it after you get saved. You can choose to serve God or choose not to serve God. But there's consequences. If you walk in the flesh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. There is a price to pay. If you will serve the Lord and you make the right decisions, because God didn't make us robots, didn't take away our will to choose, but he said, I'll bless your life. And I'll raise you up. And I'll reward you when you get to heaven. And it will be worth it all. But because Saul did not do this. In verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voices. Now he's decided to come clean. Why? He's being rejected as the king. God's taken it away. <laughs> Why? He's crying now crying, weeping. He's changing his mind. He sees the error of his ways. But is it too late? It's too late. It's too late. God had somebody else he was training in the wings. You know who that was? King David. Little old boy. God raised him up. And so God says, I'm looking for somebody who's Heart is right toward me. And so he says there in verse 26, Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king. So you can reject God and not serve him. And God can reject the idea of using you for his honor and glory and reject you from receiving reward that you could have earned. And he can reject those blessings that you could have had. There's also a story about that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 when he talks about a guy named Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright to Jacob. And he says afterwards he repented and sought it bitterly with tears, but it didn't change anything. It was too late. There are some things you will never get a second chance at. I used to tell the college kids, opportunities are on wheels. And they're rolling by. And preparation is for the man to take advantage when those opportunities come. And sometimes those opportunities come and those opportunities go. And because you were not prepared, you didn't even know that was an opportunity. You didn't even see it. I've had people say, well, if I had the opportunities you have, duh, what would you have done? 
If you're not prepared to take advantage of the opportunities God sends you away. And so many people never prepare themselves, and so they never see an opportunity. And everybody else has all the good luck. And poor, poor them. And they complain about everything. And they are reaping their own consequences of what decisions they made. That's why the Bible says prepare. Prepare to meet God. Prepare to be fit for the Lord's use. Prepare. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Studying that you can be a workman. You want to work for the Lord? So he says down here, I'm going to give it to somebody else. In verse 28, And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine, and that he is better than thou. I've had people say, Well, you're trying to think that you're better than me? Well, God may think so. Why do you use that person and not that person? I've had people say, Well, you think he's better than I am? In some cases, yes. We always say, No, 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 no. Yeah, they are. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Now, we're all sinners, but some people are more fit for the ministry than other people. Some people are more fit to be a good husband than other people. Not all husbands are the same. Would you agree with that? Not all wives are the same. Some wives are better than other wives. Some children act better than other children. They're not all the same. So, no, I don't play the political game of being politically correct. I... Just state what I believe the Bible says and gets me in more trouble, but don't think it's the truth. What happened to this guy? This Agag. Well, look what happened to him. And you can see, down in verse 32, Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, I believe prancing up to him. Well, surely the as he says here, the bitterness of death is past. You're right. If it depended upon Saul. But Samuel's a, a different man. What did Samuel do? He took a sword and cut the guy to pieces. Now, he loved truth and God more than Saul and all the people all put together. And so, therefore, some people will take a stand for the Lord, and some people never will. Because unless you're strong in the Lord, you're not strong. Some people are only as strong as the last person they talk to. Depend upon what wind of doctrine is going on, and what's the political wind, which way should I bend? Or some people stand firm. That's why when they came to see Jesus about John the Baptist, he said, what did you expect to see, a reed shaken by the wind? No. So he says in verse 33, And Samuel says, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. Now I wonder what he meant by that. Today, your mother is going to be childless. Now, <laughs> He's going to die. See the last part of it? And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. And in verse 35, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. 
Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. In other words, it grieved God. See, it always grieves God when we disobey God. Uh, doesn't the Bible say in the book of um, Ephesians and several other scriptures talking about grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby we're sealed unto the day of redemption? Once you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And you grieve God. God is grieved when we are disobedient and when we're rebellious to the Lord. So can we cause God grief? Grief generally is, doesn't bother somebody unless it, it really hurts you because you love. When you really care about somebody... And I believe God really loves us and really cares about what we can do with our life. But God is all, he's holy. God is holy. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your wonderful love and care and all your provision for us. And Father, even though I'm standing up here teaching a little lesson about Saul, I must depend upon the Holy Spirit to do its work in the lives of each person that's here and to bring to their attention areas in their own life where they need to realize, yes, we need to be humble before God, but if I exalt myself, God can bring me down. And that rebellion is like wickedness and witchcraft. And Father, I pray your will to be done in the lives of each person here. Blessing our service to follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.